Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. It's Driven here on Talk Radio, the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. And on the show today, we have a reality star, a soap icon, and the most famous antique dealer in the world. Towie's Fern McCann, Corey's Kevin Kennedy, and salvage hunter's Drew Pritchard. This is Driven with me, Andy J. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio, in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Okay, right, let's dive straight in, shall we? I'm thrilled to be able to welcome my first guest of the show, the magnificent Mr. Kevin Kennedy. How are you doing, Kevin? Hello, how are you? I'm so pleased we're able to chat, Kevin, because I must, I've been wanting to talk to you for probably about three decades. <laughs> That's very good, thank you. I hope you don't mind, but I described you as a soap icon because I don't think there are that many people in the UK that have had the sort of career in soap that you've had and then not been in it for over 10 years and still be so beloved. Yeah, was, um, I think at that particular time I was in Coronation Street when we were pulling in something mad like 20, 22 million uh, viewers per episode uh, because obviously we didn't have uh, satellite television then. Yeah. Um, so we have a third of the population basically watching you or in their living rooms Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, but, uh, it's, it's, it's lasted a long time. And it's, 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 uh, it's really nice that the fact that people remember uh, you and you, your storylines because it normally links in with something in their lives. So, you know, I remember you when you were sort of married to Raquel or you were with you were with Reg because I was going through this or I was getting married or so it kind of links up with people's personal lives. So and I, and I think it's a very humbling uh, experience and I'm very pleasing. You know, everyone wants to re- their work to be remembered. So yeah, it's it's very cool indeed. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I mean, do you still get quite regularly stopped and recognised and spoken to. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not just in the UK, of course. It's it's global because Coronation Street was, was sold to so many countries, uh, usually where we have expats, so like places like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, wherever you go, really, there's always someone who knows you. So, yeah, so it's, people stop me all the time. Plus, I've had a, a, a fairly decent uh, career in theatre. Yes. So, um, and that's uh, a lot of people come to see the, the theatre in the UK. Yes, you've and, done, I mean, uh, done absolutely loads of theatre. I mean, it's, it's been brilliant. Yeah. Kevin, what's, yeah. the, what's the percentage of people that, that call you Kevin and that call you Curly? <laughs> well, now it's kind of evened out a bit. I think it's kind of 50-50, the theatre crowd sort of call me Kevin and uh, the sort of TV people sort of call me Curly or Norman or whatever or, or you or Stop Thief, put that down, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah, which, which could, could get a bit awkward if you're in the supermarket and there's a young yeah. young policeman that has no idea, <laughs> has, has never watched yeah. a soap before. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, you do. I do find that you get a lot of kind of uh, uh, older people explaining to younger people who exactly this bloke is. So that's quite interesting. <laughs> so I guess you have to be the patient guy that stops while there's a really long explanation. Yeah, just kind of stand there going, yeah, "Okay, can we take the picture now?" Or <laughs> yeah, but but you know that's that's part and parcel. Um, you know, I'll never complain about that. That's part of it, and um, you know, long may it continue. Yes, yes, no, absolutely, and and I sincerely hope that, that that we have a lot more of you on our screens and on our stages for in the years to come because. You know, yeah. you're, you're a very talented act. You know, I, I, th- I think it must be said, Kevin, and, and I, I, there's so much I want to talk to you about, about charity and recovery and addiction, et cetera, mm. and, and, I, and I really, you know, really must get onto that. But before we do, I just want to sort of make the point that, you know, some people are wrongly, when, when I mean some people, I mean soap stars, some people are wrongly associated with their character forever in the belief that people think that they can't play other roles. You know, they're just going to yeah. think, oh, well, that's your one role and that's all you can do. But actually, you've been on to show in the TV shows you've done since, Corrie, and of course in your theatre work, that actually you're a heck of an actor. Well, that's very kind, but I think it is a misconception. I think soap actors um, are, are very underrated. They they can do an awful lot of stuff, and the actual nature of the job in soaps is to is to get a script and to then perform it with speed and precision and excellence mm. uh, in a very in a very very short time. Because if you're doing a movie or a, if you're doing a, a TV series, they only shoot something ridiculous like two or three pages a day. Soap actors can knock off twenty pages a day, no problem. Yeah. Um, and, not, and not just the actors, of course, the crews and, uh, and the cameramen and everything as well. We're used to working at speed, and 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 the product is is always is always very good. Uh, whereas some of the the more of the lovies like to take uh, their time over over a two page a two page um, scene that really we can do in sort of. 20 minutes I, I genuinely yeah. don't know how you do it I, I've only had one very brief experience with acting myself I was in Des the, the ITV drama about um, yeah. you know, with David Tennant and I was I had a tiny yeah. tiny role but I was so so scared with all the lines that I had to learn it's just not something I'm used to or could do I mean that brief insight into into an actor's life so how you were doing that three four times a week uh, uh, amazing Amazing. Well, it's a skill. You use the part of your brain that you don't normally use. It's it's retention and it's short term retention. So you 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 rehearse it with your buddy and your whoever you're in the scene with, and and you rehearse it and you rehearse it and then you do it and then you immediately forget it, which has its own problems, of course. Because when I got into theatre uh, straight after, I mean, I started off in theatre before I was in Coronation Street, and I was in the theatre for many years. And then when I got back into theatre. I'd find I'd learn a scene uh, for the theatre. I go, oh, that's okay. I, I know that. And then I'd come to rehearsals, um, and I completely forgot it again because <laughs> my brain wasn't used to it. So yeah. I just had to. So I had to retrain it all over again. And then again, I did. Um, I did. Um, Mrs. Brown's Christmas special last year yeah. uh, uh, with a lovely uh, Brendan O'Carroll and his family, and I was given a script, and I had to go through it all again to try and. To try and remember it because it was really difficult to go through that process again. Uh, so it was, uh, but it's interesting. I always, I'm, I'm never, I'm never sort of idle. I'm always doing something, and that was, uh, that was uh, quite an experience and, and brilliant fun. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And it was it was a lot of fun to watch, actually. Um, yeah, I've, I've got to talk to you. It's a we've got to have a sober chat, of course, because, yeah, you know, yeah. there, there are serious themes and, and, and what you're doing in your life alongside acting at the moment is so important, especially, yeah. I would say, during these funny times that we're all in. But, you know, if you don't mind me kind of beginning with your your personal journey, because it's always good sure. to understand uh, the reasons yeah. why people get involved in, in, in kind of changing the lives of others. You know, you have been on the record. It's, it's quite a known thing. You have mm. battled addiction in, in your history. And it's and it and, yeah. and it really took over for a while, didn't it? Yeah. So what happened was um, I found out that well, I didn't find out. I, I knew that I was uh, had uh, an alcohol addiction, mm. um, and it's fairly a, um, um, a long process of denial uh, and then acceptance, then denial again. And I realised uh, in a moment of of uh, sanity that if I didn't stop this, then you know it wasn't going to end well. Um, so um, I reached out for help, which was always the the, the, the most difficult thing in the world. Mm. Uh, in 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 the world of of addiction, is that initial reaching out to, for help. That's that really hard bit because there's a lot of pride, uh, there's a lot of shame and stigma uh, that that surrounds addiction, and people that just you know that they don't they don't want to admit to it, and uh, I understand that completely. So um, eventually I decided that I should do something about it. And with the help of many other people, um, I, um, I got into, into recovery. And, uh, and that was 22 years ago. Um, so I'm still on the road to recovery. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still progressing. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a destination. It's a, it's a journey, which I hate that we're using the word journey. X Factor has ruined that word for me. <laughs> but... Uh, but it is in this in this particular sense. Yes, it's it's, it's interesting because whenever um, I, I speak to somebody that has battled and and, and faced demon and uh, addictions and their demons and mm. so on, like like you're talking about, and has been clean and sober and and mm. and, and and living a, a sort of sober life for for years and years, like you have. Yeah, you always all of you talk about how it's a it's a journey, and it's it's not. Yeah, I, do, I, I was addicted, and now I'm fine. Is it a daily thing? You know, because I haven't. Oh yeah. it myself. Is it, do you genuinely have to kind of? Are there things you have to do every day to sort of keep clean, as it were? Well, yeah, it's just a question of self care and and protecting yourself. Um, there are certain things I do every day that um, that just to make sure. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I, I you know I think you know, all right, I've made it to another day. Uh, so today I'm not going to drink. Um, tomorrow might be a different story, mm. uh, but today I'm going to I'm going to stay sober for today. Uh, and it's a very much in the moment thing, which is something that I think as we've lost as a skill. We're always looking to the future. We're always planning things, and we're uh, and we never sort of take stop and just take the day for today and i think this with this pandemic i think now is the perfect time to do it and and i think many of us have been forced into that situation because the future is so uncertain that we to a certain extent we are getting that skill back where we say right okay well today i'm here let's see what we can do today and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow do you know, this this really resonates with me, Kevin, because, you know, I've been privileged enough to be able to speak to lots of fantastically uh, interesting and diverse people for this show and, and for other things yeah. we do. But the, the sort of common themes, people that seem to understand life best, as far as I can tell, seem to say the same thing, which is yeah, the past is done. Forget about it. The future, you've got no control over it right now. 
you're not in it. Yeah. Just don't, yeah. don't even think about it. You can only think about this moment in time, this moment for the listeners listening to us right here and now, for you and I, living, breathing, sitting, chatting. Yeah. You know, this is the only moment we're in charge of. So this well, is the absolutely. only moment we should worry about. It's the only thing you can control is what you're doing right now. Mm. Um, the past, as you say, is gone, and uh, and you can't you can't worry about the future. We can't at the moment because we don't know what it is. So we just have to get on with it with what we're doing. Um, and I think you're right. There's a lot of people that are in recovery uh, have that attitude, and it's a, and that is part of our survival. Uh, and I think I also find it in people who, who have had. Uh, near-death experiences, people who have had uh, heart problems or had, have been involved in some sort of accident, God love them, they have that sort of same sort of attitude. And, you know, and it does have its advantages, you know, because there's no point worrying about stuff that you have no control over. Um, and, and, they, and it works with, you know, as regards other people. I can't control what other people do. Uh, what I can control is how I react to what they're doing. Uh, by, the, by either not reacting or trying to do something about it. Um, a lot of the time, it's by, well, you know, that's their business, nothing to do with me. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great help. No, it makes a lot of sense, Kevin. And, and of course, what you are doing now with your yeah. with your charity, I don't want to call it a new charity because it's, it's long established, but, you know, yeah. you are going out and making a tangible difference to a, a wide, wide range of people. I mean, let, let's talk about Kennedy Street. Tell me, tell me yeah. more about it. Well, we had this, uh, when I, Claire and I, my wife, we got sober 22 years ago and, and we decided that we'd try and and put something back. I mean, this is a while after we, we've been sober, about five years in, we we decided that, you know, we wanted to, to put the message out there that there is a way out, you know, that there is, you know, and, and that is basically, and uh, ultimately the message, there is a way out of, of whatever addiction you're in. You know, it doesn't have to end the way you think it's going to end. Uh, so we started off doing stuff in, in Manchester, where we used to live. Uh, and then we moved to Brighton because all my theatre work was in the West End. And so I brought the family down. And we started to work in, the, in and around Brighton. And um, and just before, well, the, 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 um, the charity was called Kennedy Street. Uh, I think you can see where the connections are there. Uh, uh, I see what we did there. Uh, and just before the uh, pandemic hit, we just got charitable status, which was a blessing, really. And with that charitable status and some of the money we got off uh, off the lottery, we um, we got a helpline up. Um, and I have to uh, emphasize, we're a very small charity, really. We're, but we have got a big reach, but we haven't got thousands of volunteers and we've got, a group of volunteers, a team who are brilliant, uh, so I have to give them a shout out. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and our, our, our helpline, which was uh, originally just for Sussex and around there, suddenly went it went national. And and it, normally, when we get we get maybe five inquiries uh, you know, every two weeks or something, we had something ridiculous. We had twelve hundred. Uh, inquiries over the over the pandemic over the first six seven weeks of the pandemic i mean unbelievable um so that's what our charity was all so all of a sudden we became uh very helpful to everybody because all because of the pandemic everything else shut down all the social services shut down yeah. um overnight uh, and all of a sudden, everything moved on online, which was a great uh, bonus for us because we could actually contact people. 
And what we do is is we we just help families, we help individuals, and we help businesses as well. Um, well, because we we know that there's a lot of problems within the workplace, and and people are scared at the moment. People, as I said, we've been talking about people don't know what's going to happen, and they've been self medicating. Uh, I think it was on the news yesterday something about the the um, people using alcohol as as has gone gone up by fifty percent as as uh, with problem drinkers. Um, and that's understandable, you know, and there's no judgment here as well. You know, most of the people that work here are, are in recovery. So we've heard it all. Uh, we know everything about it. Uh, and we don't want, we're not going to put any shame or stigma on you. And what we try to do is signpost you to the right place. Uh, whether it can be a free one, we try to to signpost people to, to, to free help if we can, and if we can't, then we'll put you in someone in touch with people that can help you. Maybe have a professional detox because obviously we're not doctors, sure. but we 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 can actually point you in the right direction, um, free if possible. Is is uh, one of our one of our uh, our phrases. If we can do that, we'll, we will. And there's lots of people out there who help us. This sounds absolutely brilliant, Kevin. And of course, as, as you yeah. say, you know, people that are calling you, people that are, are reaching out to you will yeah. be able to know that you and the team have lived and breathed what they're going through. Yeah. So you're perfectly placed to be able yeah. to, you're not judging, you're just helping and you're showing yeah. them the roadmap because you've experienced recovery yourself. And and there's a great sentence a- around the charity, which I don't know if it's, it's it, I don't know if I've just come across this or if it's something that you've been pumping yeah. out, but it's recovery, yeah. recovery changes lives. Think, it does, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not talking about the the poor individuals on the street. They are something like two percent of the, of the overall problem. We're talking about housewives. Yeah. We're talking about professional people who are holding down their jobs and their family life, and they're dealing with addiction at the same time. And that is hellish. I know because I've been there. And trying to juggle all those things just adds to the pressure. The poor people on the street, they've just given up. They've just, you know, they've just got, got rid of families and businesses and jobs and they just want to sit on the streets and drink. Uh, that's unfortunate for them and, and I feel for them. But the, uh, and, and we can help them as well. Of course we can. But the people that, that, we, that have been in getting in touch with us are, are professional people. Um, who realise that they can't they can't do all this at the same time as deal with this pandemic, deal with families, try to run a business, and they've got an active addiction at the same time. That's very telling, isn't it? Um, can mm. t- tell me how people can get in touch with Kennedy Street? How people can help? How people can learn more about well, the charity? If you can get in touch with us at our website, which is www.kennedystreetcio.org, okay. uh, and everything will be on there. And we're here to help you, you know. Um, and as I say, no judgment. Um, we, we we help a lot, an awful lot of people. We've got a, a fair, a decent success rate, uh, and we we just pass people on who can who can get you further up the road to recovery. And at the moment, in these modern times, you know, there's nothing simpler than visiting a website. You know, whether you well, this is it. You see, this is this is because it's it, it's it's almost impersonal. Yeah, which is uh, which. Is a great help if you're in the grips of addiction. You don't want to meet up with someone really face to face and kind of bare your soul. It's that because it's, it's important stuff. Um, but, and you can do this online now, and it's a great help. It's uh, you know it, it's it's not it, it starts off face up, but it doesn't it doesn't end that way, you know. And this is a perfect time now to get yourself on to get your first foot on that road to recovery and a better life. And believe me. 
there is a way out. Um, and if you're out there drinking and listening to this, I can guarantee you two things. I can guarantee you it's not going to get any better. That is absolutely nailed on promise. Uh, but I can also guarantee you a nailed on promise that if you seek help and you do what's suggested, I can guarantee your life will get better. That doesn't mean that you're going to win the lottery, uh, get a new car, or a new job, and the rest of it. No. What it means is you'll get your life back, and you've been lost, and you'll come back and find yourself again. That sounds like a deal that I, I think anybody listening, if they're struggling, would want to take, Kevin. And, uh, and, yeah. and just, just being able to sort of chat to you today... Clearly, you are a man who understands it. You're very intelligent. You're passionate. You're informed. Why wouldn't you yeah. want to ch- check in and, and get some help? I mean, it's it's been a revelation talking to you, Kevin. Thank you very much for your company. Um, Thank you very much. It's, it's been great. And, and let's just remind the listeners again. It's kennedystreetcio.org. That's it. Yep. Okay, up next here on Talk Radio, I'm going to be joined by Drew Pritchard, a man who I've known for a long time. And basically, if you watch anything on the Discovery Network or Quest, then you are going to know a lot about Drew because he seems to host something like eight different series for them, including, of course, the show that made him famous, which is the show all about his passion, Antiques, Salvage Hunters. Now, Drew also has a huge, huge passion and collection of classic cars, and it's something that has inspired him and thrilled him over the years. And if you'd like to know more about Drew's petrol head leanings, then we do have a secondary spin-off podcast called Driven Chat, where, well, it's all about automotive. It's for petrol heads and with petrol heads. So if you'd like to hear Drew's love of cars, that's all explored in the Driven Chat podcast. But as this is all about celebrities and what drives them, well, after the break, you'll hear Drew's rags to riches to rags to riches again tale. Here's a man who made an absolute fortune, lost it all, and had to start again from the ground up. Drew Pritchard, after the break. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio, in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Welcome back to Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. Now, my next guest was lucky enough to get the truck treatment. If those of you are wondering what that means, we have a truck that transforms into a studio and we take it to the guest. So we went to Drew's house recently to catch up. It is, of course, Drew Pritchard, who's on TV finding, well, treasure. I sort of can sniff out stuff from, yeah, from 50 feet. It's a weird skill, but I can do it. And now we do it on TV for... Over a decade. It's what, a strange old one, I tell you. What I love about this is that your your life did not set out in any level to, to make you a TV star. You no. know, you, you were a sniffer of treasure. You're the, the salvage hunter. I was, well, I came out of school at 15 with no qualifications, brought up in the, the Welsh Valleys. Um, no education really to speak of. Uh, desperately wanted to work in the antiques trade. Um, got in as a restorer on the YTS. Do you remember that? The youth training scheme in the 1980s, 1986. Uh, £17.40 a week. Um, £17.40 a week? Yeah. And then the next year, £27.50. I didn't know what to do with the money. <laughs> I couldn't believe that they would pay me this much. And um, and that was it, really. I mean, I was down to, I remember in school, the, the, the careers officer said, well, look, you're a tyre fitter or you're working at Hot Point. It's up to you. Why? Um, Did they not have McDonald's in the area? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it was, yeah, that would have been the other natural choice. And... Um, and then I lost my job when I was 23 through no fault of my wonderful boss, Gordon Stewart, who trained me, and Joe Sturgis. Um, got a brilliant training for seven years with these guys. 23 went out on my own. That was 27 and a bit years ago. Um, and then 
TV. I fell into doing some TV because I'm firmly of the belief that have a go. Somebody offers you something, you go, yeah, go on, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Why not? You know, why not? I think that's really my whole thing is, yeah, okay. Why, you know, if, if you want me to do that, I'll give it a go. If I'm no good at it, don't worry about it. Because I've had to sort of very much create my own life out of nothing. And uh, I'm very, very uh, happy, if not a little tired, <laughs> to be where I am now. I mean, I've, you know, from the minute we met, we actually met in Monaco. Yeah. Places. That sounds yeah. grander than it was. It sounds great, doesn't it? It wasn't grand. <laughs> sounds... We met in at Monaco, uh, no, it wasn't even Monaco, it was Nice uh, uh, Airport Hotel. It was a special place. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, you know, it was very clear, you were always on your phone, you were taking calls, you were looking at things, you were buying remotely, you were checking, you were being sent scripts, you know, you, you didn't stop, even though we were there to film quite a big weekend of live television. Yeah. You know, in the advert breaks, you were like, instead of listening to what we were about to talk about, you were just, hang on a second, lads, I've just got to, I've got to approve this. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> we were terrible on air. Right. But, you know, no, we, we did very well. But the point is, you know, you live round the clock. It's just a constant, constant work, 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 work. It's something, it's a work ethic. I suppose, you know, what, that's, my, my parents were self-employed. Father was a sign writer. Uh, my mum worked in the local youth club and Boots. I helped out with the with sign writing business, um, and I was working from eleven. You know, at the, my my um, uh, father had myself and my my younger brother Guy working um, cutting log signs, sanding boards. I can still paint an eight by four sheet apply like glass. Seriously, like nobody else, um, and I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of work and creating stuff and the camaraderie and the fun and. And all of that, and I just, I, 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 I've never stopped. And I enjoy it, I really genuinely enjoy it. And now the buzz I get from my antiques business is just huge, it's massive. And um, we, we, we're a very small business. I've chosen it, to, I've had it a big business. Yeah. I've chosen to, to, to bring it right down. It's me plus four people, that's it. Um, and we do huge international business, but we keep it tight and keep it small. And that's, that's what I've learned. When you were 11 and you got handed that paintbrush for the first time. Yeah. Come on, son. Um, did they call you Drew then? Did they call you Andrew? What was well, your, well, I'll, I'll dispel a few myths now. I was, I was christened Andrew Pritchard, right? But my hippie parents, my, my parents' house was called Woodstock. Brilliant. Right? Okay. In the 70s. They bought it in the 60s. You know, I arrived in 1970. Uh, I was going to be called Brecon Moon Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not, and my grandfather, my very tough uh, uh, Mancunian grandfather, John Pritchard, builder and tyler, said, you're not calling him that, call him a proper name. We're in the church. In the church. <laughs> well, I can just imagine the vicar right reading there. out your name. Brecon- no. No. Call, call him Andrew. Andrew, Andrew Thomas Pritchard. Uh, to- <laughs> and uh, Thomas after my grandfather on the other side. I don't know where they got Andrew from. Um, and my father name. walked out, and there's a photograph of him standing with me outside the church and he said we're not calling that we'll call him Drew and I've never been called anything else since I've been called Andrew once by a vicar brilliant. <laughs> that's it brilliant when it the one time it mattered yeah so when you got handed that the paintbrush mm. to work with your dad mm. age 11 were you thinking wow this is an amazing moment or were you thinking well hang on I want to I want to go and climb trees I want to kick a football around. I wanted to be in the park you know yeah. lighting fires and riding around on my bike that's you know what we did in North Wales and climbed trees and built dens and you know we did that yeah um but I knew that, that, that the money was, you know, wasn't always there and we had to go and do that stuff. And um, 
I still that mentality I think sort of still rages through me that you know I've got to go and earn the next quid and make the next you know make the next dollar do you know I'd say that's something that that really comes across about you you know the value of everything mm. because you have to mm. but more importantly the value of everything matters to you it really really does and it's the people behind it I think because I was trained by two incredible restorers, including a wonderful man called Joe Sturgis, who's the most miserable bug you've ever met in your life. But what a craftsman, right? What a craftsman. And they really taught me, you know, look at this thing. Look at the man who did this by candlelight 250 years ago. Yeah. You're the next person to touch it. Think about that. And, and that, that has stayed with me. I've been very lucky to be taught by some very, very good people about things, mm. how things are made and why. Um, and then the antiques knowledge, that's down to me. That's I started reading at 11, voraciously, anything I could get my hands on about antiques. And I still do that. I fell asleep last night with an English furniture catalogue on my lap. It doesn't, <laughs> that's nothing's your changed. Porn. Nothing's changed, it's like <laughs> chair porn. It's uh, nothing's changed, I love it. I, on my brain, I left school with like nothing in my head, apart from sort of, Scootering, two-tone music, uh, messing about with my mates, BMX, girls. Uh, that was all, that was it. That's what I learned. And then I came out and I just, it was just antiques, antiques, antiques. And some, a friend of mine, Claire, said to me, said, why didn't you talk about antiques when in school? I said, if I'd have brought up, you know, an 18th century painted press cupboard in Llanroost in 1979, I'd have been battered. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today. So, you know, it's very much, I sort of kept that side of things to myself. But me and my friends at the weekend, including T, who everybody knows, we'd get on our bikes and we'd go around the mountains searching stuff out. As I did with my father from a much younger age in his old minivan, collecting motorbikes around all the farms in the local area. See, it's really interesting to see how this has informed who you've become. Mm. I mean, you know, without getting into detail, because that's private matters, but you've made a lot of money in your time. Mm. You've, you've lost a lot of money in your time. Mm. What, can we talk about moments where you just kind of look back now and go, oh, I stacked <sighs> it there. When I was 23, I started the business. I had a very shabby 200-pound VW Beetle with a roof rack. I took the driver's seat out so I get more stuff in. Passenger seat out so I get more stuff in. <laughs> driver's seat would have been yeah, a little yeah. bit challenging. Uh, Your hips are and, phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, so I started with 200 quid. Um, 12 years later, uh, I was worth just under 4 million. Right. I had my various properties, commercial properties, my own staggeringly beautiful Regency chapel conversion. You know, uh, my son and my two, my two, my two uh, daughters up there married. Everything was going gangbusters. You know, everything yeah. was going amazingly well. You know, and we had a, had a team of twelve people. We were doing all our own restoration. Um, Two thousand and eight comes along, so we had a good run, um, and the recession, mm. and it hit me like like a tidal wave. It smashed into me, and what I sold then, and still what I sell now, you don't need it. Right. You want it. Right. So all of the I really want that had gone. Mm. And I had to let 12 guys go in one day. And it went back from all of that, it went back to me and a van and a phone again. I still looked after all my guys and made sure they had about five months money each. Uh, skinted myself on that, paid off the mortgage what I can. The bank became a huge pressure on me. They forced me to sell two properties, which I really didn't need to sell, but looking back on it. And I, and I lost nearly everything. I hung on to two properties. 
um, and I just grafted. And I people say there was a second and a third wave. Well, I got hit by the fourth. Right. Well, it came out of it six years later. I was back where I was and a little bit further on. Mm. And then I lost it again. You had eyes for uh, another I, lady. I made a mistake. Yeah. I made a mistake. I'm not bothered about the money. The money that I made sure that Rebecca and the girls will never have to worry about money again in their life. Mm. That was what I did. And I walked away from everything. I left with me and the dog and my cars. That was it. It was me and Enzo. It's every man's dream, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and my furniture. And I, I lost everything again. But I, I don't mind. I absolutely don't mind. I made the mistake. It was my fault. Far too much drink. Far too many people telling you you can have whatever you want. Far too many people saying yes to, yes to, yes to. You know, riding on the crest of a wave. And it, and again, I made a mistake. You know, because I think because nobody teaches you on TV yeah. the effect it has to go from nothing to 19 million people a day watching you worldwide. Mm. Over the years, that has an effect. You can disappear up your own backside if you really want to. And I think for a blip, I did. Yeah. And I'm not proud of it, but it happened. Um, it's just, hey, but you know, you... that's how it goes. But, you know, you know, they're all sorted now. And once again, four, four and a half years later, I'm back up there again. I've yeah. done it again. So yeah. I'm doing it. I'm good at it. I just hope I don't lose it again. <laughs> and now it's for a different reason. Now I'm building something for, for the family with properties and the antiques business and I'm, I'm enjoying myself and I'm trying to do a lot of good. I give an awful lot of money every month to charities, various charities, um, and I'm trying to do all the right moves now. And yeah. it's tough. It's tough. What's it like when you wake up in the morning? You're 50 now. I'm you've 50 got a wealth now, yeah. of experience. You've got people that depend on you. You've mm. got, you know, from, from family to employees, etc. And like you say, you've got this ridiculous almost unthinkable number of people that watch your shows every yeah. day because you, you, when, when you film a series it's not like uh, you know it's not like a, a, a tracker or a, or a Luther or something which is sort of six eight episodes and then they're done you're filming bazillions in a go aren't you yes you know, it's like every season for you is lots of episodes every single day seven days a week for several months so yeah. so people can watch new drew all the time yeah it's 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 a it's um it's, 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 I'd like to say it's a roller coaster. It, it, it's more than that. It's like a train yeah. that keeps rolling on. I'm blessed, luckily, to have had an awful lot of the crew that I started with 10, 11, nearly 11 years ago stay with me, particularly my sound man, Simon Jolly, who I have to say has an inherent part in this whole story. And he, he's, he's stuck with me from day one. Um, and it's, it's, it's Team Pritchard now, and, we, and it's Team Salvage, and we work really well together. And I stay with the crew. I travel with the crew. Um, when we go abroad, I'm carrying the bags. You know, yeah. nothing's going to change. T's the same. T's an incredibly private individual, uh, but we, you know, we graft with the crew. It's 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 about keeping all of us in work. See that working cast mentality has not left me. I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean that's that's really important, isn't it? You you talked about how you kind of lost lost your way a little bit, and that is because you're quite right. It doesn't. You've sort of, you proved the point that it doesn't really matter how old you are. When something unexpected, something you weren't thinking about as a child hits, i.e. fame, mm. notoriety, yeah. you don't know who you're going to be, but it isn't the real you. Nothing prepares you for it. Mm. And people will go, you go, oh, he's just that bloke off the telly, you find his old chest. That's it. That is what I am. Right? I am the man in the van. Two fat lads in a van from Wales. That's what we are. <laughs> you know, it is. It's true. Um, but people love it and they pick up on it, you know, and you do get, you know, you get the bad and the good. You get... You know, I had two death threats last month. 
you know. Do you know why? Because, you, yeah, because so I put a Union yeah. Jack on the back of a Mini. <laughs> the funniest thing about that is one of the, one of the guys who emailed me, he actually filled out a form with all his details, name, address, telephone Brilliant. number, Brilliant. and then said, and I'm going to kill you as well. Oh, great. Okay, we'll just right. have this, please. <laughs> yeah. um, so it comes with good and bad, and I do think there needs to almost be like a school saying, right, if you go on TV, potentially this can happen. Yeah. You need to be aware. And uh, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's that's another job for you to do. Fame school, fame yeah. school. Yeah, <laughs> you might get a stalker. You might become a bit of a yeah you know, for yeah. a while, yeah. etc. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a strange old world. It's a strange old world. But now I think I've ridden that out. Um, we've got uh, f- five programs I'm currently filming now. Five sort of offshoots. Salvage Hunter still being the main one. Um, two more in the pipeline, and. Um, I'm looking forward to all of it. Me and too. in the middle of it, in the middle of it, occasionally I get to race some old cars. Yeah, more on that. Yeah. On this show quite soon, I yeah. believe. <laughs> Drew, thank you. Um, I guess the last question really is about the name of the show, Driven. Mm. You know, for, for people watching, for people listening at home, you know, that they've, they've heard your story. It hasn't been, hasn't been sunshine and laughter all the way Not through. all the way. <laughs> We've had a particularly rough ride of it recently, worldwide yeah. with, mm. the, with the COVID and lockdown and all the rest of it that, that kind of happens. What would you say to people that have had to reassess their lives recently? I, 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 all I know is that whenever it's gone badly wrong, so falling from high to low, it's a good starting point again. You'll feel miserable for a few days, get back on it. Get back on it, kick that door in, carry on, keep grafting, keep going at it, be single-minded, it will happen. Ignore everybody saying it won't, ignore everybody, all the naysayers, if you think you can do it, do it and keep keep at it. If I can do it out of nowhere from Glen Conway, no qualifications, no background in what I'm doing at all, you can do it. You can indeed do it. Wise words there from Drew Pritchard. He is, of course, living proof that if it all goes wrong, pick yourself back up and start again. Now, after the break, my final guest this week is TOWIE star Fern McCann here on Driven with me, Andy J on Talk Radio. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. My final guest this week is The Only Way is Essex star Fern McCann, who's here to talk about her work with Always Discreet on their new research into getting women to squeeze their pelvic floor muscles. So, Fern, what has your research shown? It's something, you know, really exciting to be working with Always Discreet again. Um, and what they've found with the research is that women since being in lockdown are more conscious of, of their health and well-being. They're more aware of their bodies, more in tune with their bodies, and, and have noticed bladder leaks, which is something that I've quite openly spoke about and experienced. So we're launching this really, really exciting, positive series of live workouts. And it's just going to be something really fun and, and completely different. So it's going to be live for the, the next four consecutive weeks. So you're going to be um, doing these live as well, on my like brand on your 30th. Which I'm launching today. And it's everything from well-being to fitness to fun, all encapsulated and brought in to one. You know, I get a lot of a lot of women of all ages asking, "What are you doing? How do you remain so positive? How do you stay in a healthy, happy way?" This is what I do. No, it's great. It's great, and it's there's a big mindset change that comes with this as well, isn't there? It's not just about the physical transformation that you can make and the improvements that you can make, but it's also how it makes you feel emotionally and mentally. 
I think mindset is a massive part. It's a whole package, isn't it? You know, for me, exercising is a form of meditation, as is looking after your body, not just on the outside, internally as well. Hence, just as important to, for example, work your your uh, your biceps and your abdominal area as it is your pelvic floor muscle. But absolutely, like lockdown for me, I'm big into meditation and counting my gratitude and really kind of working and cementing on your why. Like, why do you want to work on yourself and why do you want to, you know, I'm big into self-love as well and self-worth. So that is just as important than to go and do a 15-minute workout. It is a package and that is exactly what you're going to get from embodiment. And I mean, it sounds absolutely sensational. And, and it's one of the things we've noticed during lockdown. People, obviously, with gyms closed, etc. you know, people have been working out from home, more people doing it than ever before. They've had to, apart from anything else, but people have been looking for new things to do. So this is, and this is very targeted, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's not like I can work on my pelvic floor, can I? But, you know, my, my, my wife and my lady friends can crack on with it, can't they? Absolutely. So it's women of all ages, and I think that's a bit of a myth. Lots of people associate bladder leaks with the elderly, whereas we want to kind of break down that stigma because there could be young women who might not necessarily have gone through childbirth that might be experiencing these sort of things and you know what it can be embarrassing and it absolutely shouldn't have to be because lots of people go through that so women of all ages can get involved your wife her friends and I think it's important to open these sort of conversations so women don't feel on their on their own they, they don't feel lonely with this sort of situation they can have fun with it almost there's a solution we can just open the conversation to make people feel this sort of thing is, it isn't normal, but it's absolutely common and you can absolutely work on it. So it's, like I said, it's something totally unique to have a workout where you can actually exercise that area. My PT, who I've worked with for five years, has partnered up with a pelvic health sports physio to design these unbelievable, immersive, fun exercises that you can do from the comfort of your own home it is completely free launching on my my embodiment website tomorrow so yeah i can i can be more more overjoyed if i'm honest yeah good for you it must have taken a lot of setting up as well you know launching big things like this they don't happen overnight do they no i have poured my sweat blood and tears everything i think i don't know if this comes with with age or what but i i really feel like now i'm in or with lockdown i, I feel like I'm in a place in my life where I want to get involved with stuff that I want to, that actually are meaningful and that just makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So now it's like, it, I'm super passionate about, about opening up conversations on women's health. I'm super passionate about feeling good in yourself. I'm super passionate about helping other other women feel, feel unbelievable. So yes, it doesn't happen overnight. There was a witty of just pure exercising and lots of build-up with the planning and preparation, working with Always Discreet, working with a brand who I've got that long-standing relationship and making sure it was right and giving the right information and educating and ultimately just making women feel positive and good about themselves, which is really important. Absolutely. No, it's, it's really good to hear you flying the flag, Fern. And it, and it sounds like you're in a very positive space. You know, this is, as we know, walking into 30, that can be quite nerve-wracking for some people. You're doing it with a huge new venture where your main mantra is to improve women's lives. I feel like my 30s, there's the best is yet to come. <laughs> too right, too right. Brand Fern is incoming, people. 
<laughs> watch out. There you go. I also believe, again, say? this could be just a whisper, but I, I believe that there's a new series of First Time Mum coming back. There is. I feel like I've never been away from the cameras because, you know, with lockdown, there's almost like a, a, a well, the time is really blurred. Like, I, I don't even know how many months we were in lockdown. So towards the end of the last series of First Time Mum was the beginning of, of lockdown and when Boris sent the UK into, yeah, into quarantine and lockdown and we just finished filming in the nick of time. So the last episode of the last series, I'm hoping that I'm making sense, was kind of uh, COVID-related. Yeah. And then we were in lockdown and now I've gone back into filming the next series, which obviously is a lot of social distancing and following the government guidelines, but you're seeing lots of production going back yeah, lots, lots of uh, uh, programs and productions going back into production. So I'm excited for that. Obviously, my life is, uh, let's just say, there's no two days that are the same. Um, and following my life as a single parent and walking into my 30s, launching embodiment. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one for sure. You're full on, aren't you? It's like, you know, there's, there's basically no time you can stop. Well, that's why I kind of... I look back at lockdown as a real positive experience. Don't get me wrong; I have my highs and lows, like a lot of a lot of people. But um, I, I definitely had the time to spend more kind of quality time with Sunday, my daughter, and it just slows the pace of life down, which is, is quite difficult for, for some people when you're so far. I feel like everyone's in the fast fast lane of life at the moment, if I'm honest. So yeah, I really slowed the pace of life down. But now it's it's back to reality. It's it's back to being busy. Yeah, yeah, it sounds brilliant. I mean, listen, Fern, we, you know, the show is called Driven. Our sort of our, our mantra really is to find out what drives celebrity and celebrities and achievers, what gets them up in the morning, what makes them a point of difference from other people, what makes them stand up oh, against challenges. That. Well, it's the you know we're, we're trying to inspire people, we're trying to uplift people, we're trying to show everyone that we're all the same as well, that we have our own challenges and our battles too. You have fought the fight as well, and you know you've come out on top. I think in life it's not going to be smooth sailing, and you're always going to have bumps in the road. I live my life by this mantra which and I say it all the time my friends anyone that knows me very well when I share it on my social media know that this is what I say and that is there is only one you and that is your power and I feel like this really resonates with me because you know ultimately you can put yourself down you can pay yourself to others you can feels really rubbish about certain things that may arise in your life but ultimately you have to check in with yourself and you have to really kind of yeah I'm a, I'm a big believer in self-work and just know that you being you is your magic that's your USP and that if you can celebrate that and you can really get to know and 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 and, and learn to love yourself then everything else will fall into place so just kind of have patience, know that you're special, and there's only one you, and that is your power. Yeah, good for you. Uh, do you know what? I bet you're a really great mum. Hearing you talk like that, I, I bet you're a really, really great mum. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means the world, actually. Well, you have to inspire, you know, and, and, and it starts at home. Do you know what I mean? And I bet, I bet you and Sunday have the best chance. Oh, couldn't agree more. Oh, we have a great time. Yeah, we really do. I mean, she's two and a half, and she's now... 
we're now having full conversations back and forth. It's, it's great time. <laughs> My thanks to Fern McCann. If you want to find more information, please go to embodiment.co.uk. And that is it for this week. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Lucy Spraggan, Mark Priestley and Michaela Strachan. Don't forget, if you'd like to hear more from today's guests or indeed our massive back catalogue of celebrity interviews, check out the Driven Celebrities podcast. That's the Driven Celebrities podcast wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back for more of the same here on Talk Radio next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.